get a lot of things and pay attention to which ones energize you. And regardless of whether that's a logical choice or a acceptable choice, that's the career you need to go in. Welcome to Laugh and Learn with Vern. How are you today? George Cole, my barber. How you doing? I am doing outstanding. And how are you, my friend? We got word yesterday. So a little backstory. You know, I did my I had my six weeks of army training. Somehow through right. miracles of higher powers, I got through it. It wasn't that bad. But it, good for thank you. Thank you. I'm impressed. It was, uh, the toughest part was just a lack of sleep sometimes and just a lot of walking. Sure. Yeah, you're getting old. For this, a little bit. I didn't realize. <laughs> no, seriously, a lot of people are yeah. like 27, 28, 29. How old are you? 33. Oh, dude. You, do you remember what it was like that there's a there's a jump between like your early to mid 20s and like your 30s? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you go from being young to your first step towards middle age. Or or what what was one of my first uh, actually it involved you. One of my first I'm um, getting older moments was when I went to get my haircut back at Joe's when you were there and you were like, uh -huh. yeah, you're kind of losing some coverage up top. I remember that. You were not happy. Uh, no, I've kind of accepted it now. I'm trying. You know, That's I'm trying good. to fight the good fight, but it's tough. It's tough. And it's worth fighting, but my clippers are ready as soon as you're done fighting. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, so welcome to Laugh and Learn with Vern. I, I am set to do both. Obviously, we, uh, we know each other. We go back. How long do you think? I've been going to you for, for haircuts. I, I was trying to figure this out. I think college. Yeah, I'm saying about 30 years. 30 years. I, dude, I have no clue. I, I It could be five years as well as 30. George, I have no clue. A I thought I meant time. more to you than that. Oh, you mean the world to me. Numbers just don't mean the world to me. That's fair. You know, in my mind, numbers are like a long time ago or recently. Yeah. And this falls in the long time ago category. Well, I guess time is a little different, you know, right, for us? Well, when you get to be my age, you've only got so much left. you got to choose wisely what you're going to remember and what you're going to let go you of. You mean 39? A brain can only hold so much information. 39 plus question mark? Well, yeah. You know, easily. How does Somebody said uh, that they were 39 with 20 years of experience or something like that. I thought, oh, that's a good one. What's your, how do you say how old you are? I say I'm almost 66. That means I get my social security. Yay. There you go. I will be 30. I'll be 66 this June 24th. That's coming. So it's just around the corner. Yep, it is. What do you Turned 65 last year. And uh, my daughter the same year turned 40. And I called her to wish her happy birthday. And she said, Dad, you know what this means? I said, yeah, it means it's your birthday. She said, no, you know what it means about you? I said, nothing. It's about your birthday. She said, no, it means you're old. I said, get out of here. She said, dad, you're 65. Your daughter is 40. You can't pretend you're middle-aged anymore. That's just plain old. You just might as well deal with it. I thought, you little brat. <laughs> but she was right. 
So uh, I'm I'm getting used to. My grandma is 85, and she's still pretty with it most of the time. She can't really hear well. Yeah. But almost every time we get together, she'll look at me and she'll be like, "Eric, my kids are in their 60s. Do you do you understand what that means?" To me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I'm like, what? it's it's that's harder than turning like 65. Christy turning 40 was way more unsettling to me than me turning 65. But it doesn't like shit. How come I have a 40 year old kid? But it doesn't change anything. They're still just your kids. Yep, that's true. She gets a little more cocky though the older she gets. Interesting. <laughs> isn't that isn't that your problem too? Well, no, excuse me. I would never be cocky in the world. Who's to say that's a problem? <laughs> See, I just figure the more you know, the more right you have to be cocky. And I say it kindly, but I say it clearly. Well, you are kind of the expert. You're the expert on a couple things. (laughs) Well, a few, maybe. Would you you like to tell us about your... I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said I certainly have spent a lot of energy on some areas. Would you like to tell us first what you're you're currently up to? Not like... I mean, you can literally describe what you're doing right now, but I meant more... Uh, the, the <laughs> I got it. I am currently on mandatory furlough, um, waiting for the uh, virus to settle down enough for them to open barbershops again, because I run a one-man barbershop, um, just me. Uh, I got about you know, 200, 250 regular customers, um, and right now they're all calling and texting is there any way can you squeeze me in it's really important and i keep saying no sorry no i really can't no i understand no sorry so i spend a lot of time doing that these days but i'm loving it i've got my own shop i've got a loyal base of of customers some of them i've loaned for a long time and uh, it's just really life-giving and enjoying i love going to work every day you know and that's a beautiful thing not many people get to say that that's right. That's exactly right. You know, I can't remember in this current career the last time I woke up dreading the day ahead of me. I'm always like, all right, who signed up for today? You know, and it's nice because I only work by appointment, so I know who's coming. And so that I can gear myself up good or bad. How long have you been on your own? Six years? Um, let's see. I know eight years ago, I was still at Joe's. Nine years ago, I was still at Joe's. So let's say seven, between seven and eight. I don't really know, um, but somewhere around there. It's either a short time or a long time? Well, that's right. And this is in the long time category. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. My brain's like, oh, not recently. I don't know. Yeah, it's a while ago. <laughs> George, I want... That's good enough for this. Yeah. I mean, I want to... Um... Okay, well, actually, you know, where uh, where is your barbershop located for anyone who listens? Yeah. Let's say that when, and yes. where are you? It's in Wakanda, Illinois, um, far northwest suburb of Chicago, kind of halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. Um, if you go online and look up George's Haircutting, my name will pop up. Um, and people tell me that if you're anywhere in the Chicago area and you type in barbershop near me, my name will be one of the first ones that come up because I have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp because of all the kind uh, um, reviews people have written. So I, I understand I'm very easy to find George's haircutting or Barber near me, and you'll see me. You all- so that's how you find me. 
And then you you're all you have kind of a a decent following on Instagram too, right? It just clicked in full time now. Your voice just got loud. Okay, we're good now. I'm sorry. Yes, we're perfect now. Huh. Yeah, I've got uh, actually I got a bunch of people following me on Instagram. It's kind of fun. Every day I post uh, a picture of a cut that I've given. Usually it's a cut I've given recently, although now I've dug back into the archives to find uh, enough to fill the days now that I'm not cutting anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, my Instagram uh, name is my name kind of backwards. It's K-O-L-L, which is my last name, K-O-L-L-G-E-O, G-O, K-O-L-L-G-E-O. So it's at Cole George at Instagram. And the last time I checked, you have an international following. <laughs> I do. That's true. It's way fun. I've got, there are a bunch of barbers from all over the world. And we follow each other on Instagram. And, you know, we see, you know, what kind of haircuts are happening in Tokyo and London and Paris and Vietnam. And it's a hoot. We, uh, we have a good time. And then, you know, we're, we'll share, you know, what about this? And I had a guy ask me for this. And how much would you charge for that? So it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's uh, kind of seeing the bigger picture. Have, any, have you taken or has anyone given you ideas that then you've used at your shop? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, there was this one, uh, well, it was, it was actually at a, a workshop I went to, but then I talked to another barber and he's like, yeah, I do that all the time. It's really cool. Um, when I'm cutting the top of a person's hair, especially if they're tall, but not only necessarily, I now lay the chair back. Oh, maybe not quite 40 degrees, maybe 50, 55 degrees, um, and put the headrest up. So now they're kind of laying back and relaxing. And I have the head right in front of me and I have full access to cut it evenly and double check it. And it's less stress on my arms and it's more relaxing for them. So it, uh, that's a new thing I learned and uh, heard reiterated uh, with, from the guys online. So that's kind of fun. Mostly they kind of shake their head because, you know, I have things like the, the haircut wheel and, you know, squirt guns in my barbershop. And like the guys from Germany are like, <laughs> our customers would walk out. If they saw a squirt gun, they would walk out. I'm like, well, how sad. <laughs> That's a very sad thing. My my guys come with loaded squirt guns. You need more fun customers. Not you. Well, you know, and part of what happens is people kind of weed themselves out. They're like, who's that lunatic? I'm not going back there. And that's fine with me. What is the wheel you just mentioned? I know what it is. Uh, yes. Um, this is something that some customers of mine made, oh, probably... 15 years ago, easily. Um, they were in college and uh, they were literally driving home from college for summer vacation. And they stopped at my shop on their way into town. So they had these mops of hair and they knew they would get all kinds of grief. So uh, they stopped in and they flew their way from college to my house. They, uh, uh, they opened the car doors and the smoke kind of billowed out. And they were all bleary eyed. <laughs> I started laughing and they had come in, you know, and one of them sat down and they're like, dude, we have the best idea. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you do. They're like, no, this is awesome. This is a, a perfect summer special. I'm like, you know what? I don't do summer specials. Yeah, but this is a really good one. I'm like, I'm sure it is. Don't you want to at least hear it? Tell me. I'd love to hear it. Like, okay, first you build this big ass wheel. I'm like, I'm not building a wheel. They're like, fine, we'll build the wheel. Good. You build the wheel. Okay, then you put 12 haircut pictures on there. Four of them are really, really good. Four of them are okay. And four of them are, oh shit, haircuts. 
And if a person wants to play, they spin the wheel. And the first picture it lands on, if they like it, instead of their haircut costing $20, it's only $10. If they don't like it, they spin a second time. The second time, if they like it, the haircut's only 5 bucks instead of 20 bucks. They don't like it, they spin a third time. The third time, the haircut's free, but they can't see what it is until after the haircut is finished. I started laughing. I said, no one would ever do that. They're like, we would do it. I'm like, yeah, but you're stoned. Of course you yeah. would do it. It's like, dude, a lot of your customers come here stoned. I'm like, yeah, you're right. A lot of my customers. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. They do. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, play to your clients, play to your audience. So they built the wheel. And every summer since then, I have had the wheel out. Uh, last year, I had 32 guys spin the wheel to choose their haircut. Uh, this year, we only had a couple before the, the uh, isolation in place set in. So it's going to be lower numbers, I suspect, this year. But it's it's a fun thing. You know, guys guys come in, especially if they bring in, you know, their brother or their buddy or something. They're like, dude, there's the wheel. There, here, you have to spin it. First-time customers have to spin it. <laughs> Make yourself all this shit. That's not true. That's, that's a great fun. one, though. Oh, first-time customers, you have to spin the wheel. Can you imagine? Someone's like, yeah. they have no idea what they're doing. They're just like, oh, really? Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's happened especially, like I had these – four brothers come in most three of the four were in their early 20s the youngest one was like 18 and i'm like when four people come in together one of them has to spin the wheel and they all point to the youngest guy they're like luke luke you're spinning the wheel dude so as each one came to the chair i'm like so you spinning no no i'm not spinning luke is luke is luke gets in the chair he goes i guess i'm spinning <laughs> so he did it was pretty do fun. you remember what he went they were harassing him what do you, uh, what do you pardon me well he wound up the first spin was too long for what he wanted. He wanted something shorter. His hair was pretty long. So he says, no, we got to spin again. I'm like, okay. The second spin was shorter than he wanted to go. And he's like, I'm going to spin. No, his brother's like, spin again, spin again. I'm like, Luke, if you spin again, you can't see what it is. And you have to get it without knowing it. There's a lot of haircuts on there shorter than what you've gotten now. And his brother's like, do it. Come on, man. Come on. Where's your, are you a man or a mouse? Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'm spinning it. So he spins it and turns away. Well, he got the shortest haircut on the wheel. It was a buzz cut, like a quarter-inch buzz cut. And this kid's hair was well past his ears. Well, his brothers start laughing. They're crying. They're laughing so hard. And Luke's in the chair. He's like, what did it get? What did it get? I'm like, Luke, buddy, it was one of the shorter ones on there. I said, <laughs> I, I, I said you're going to hate this. If, when I give you this haircut, you're going to hate it. And I hate when people leave here like that. I said, I will make a special exception. I'll tell you what. If all three of your brothers agree to give you another spin, I will also agree. But we will do whatever that spin is, even if it's the same haircut as it. He's like, all right, man. Come on, you guys. And they're like, no, screw that. No, man, you got this one. You're going to go for it. And after about three minutes of begging, like, all right, fine, fine. So he spun again, couldn't look at it. Well, it was just kind of a standard business haircut very similar to you know like a, a longer military cut not a, a tight fade or a high and tight right. or anything um, and he wound up liking it his brothers were almost peeing in their pants they're laughing in the chair when they saw what it landed on um but i heard from one of the brothers that uh, he had a lot of compliments from girls about it so that all that's all that matters when you're 17 or 18 yeah he he crushed it yeah that's right <laughs> In fact, one brother was saying, man, his haircut was way better than mine. I wish I had to plug the wheel. Like, yeah, next time. You know what? He was the one who was brave, and they were all cowards. That's exactly right, and he won. Do you still have that haircut on there that is essentially a lizard on someone's head? 
not on the wheel. When I put it on the wheel, no one will spin. Okay. When I put that on or when I put a shaved head on, no one will spin. Not, I've learned that over the not years. Not even the military dudes will spin for a shaved haircut? No. No. Is it literally shaved like, so, like with a razor shave? Well, it doesn't matter. You know, people see, because you can't really tell from, a, you know, a, a photograph. Um, but, yeah, anytime I put the shaved head on there, the wheel sits idle. You know, and a lot of military guys, especially if they've been in at all, don't want to shave it all off again. You know, they don't mind going short, but, you know, they want to leave something. At least that's... Hi, everyone. Quick interjection. There might be a weird transition here. Reason being is I told a story that, looking back on, I didn't feel comfortable keeping in. And that is one of the things I'm learning as a podcast host, what I can and can't say, given my current restrictions as someone who is active duty military. Now, back to the show. What do you mean with the whole, you know, like, when you, if you've been doing something for 20 or 30 years every day, you yeah. might want to change it up. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So that's kind of I fun. got a few questions. And it's nice when you can do that. Oh, just, just do something totally different? Yeah. You're the one who got me on this uh, nice business cut I have now because you. I remember That's I used right. to just yeah. kind of, it it was kind of like good. a shorter, like almost like a I don't want to say buzz, and you're just like you know you do have a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is a much better look for you. Yeah, I always... but I figure that's part of my job is helping people see other options, so then they can choose which one they like best. You probably get. And I think a lot of barbers don't do that. Well, they probably get used to going to. They think that going to a great clips and pay, or or even a yeah. sport clips is the same as going to you. And then they start, and then you ask them questions, and you're like, "What about this?" And you actually know what you're talking about. And people are just like, "Yeah, oh. and it's a whole different experience, you know, especially if if um, the person they go to is more a trained cosmetologist than barber. It's it's there are many different pieces of the skill set." between the two careers, even though they're very, very similar and certainly crossover. Um, you know, the cosmetology tends to be more scissor work. Barbering tends to be more clipper work. And that gives a haircut, even if you cut it the same length, it gives it a different look, a different feel to it. Um, and so that's that's one of the differences. So if a guy goes in and says, you know, I want a number four buzz cut with a two on the sides, they're going to like just put those two numbers on and go over it. A barber is going to do a lot of clipper over comb and cut it to those lengths, but sculpt it to the head. Instead of following the shape of the head, irregular, they carve it so that it, it rounds out. It perfects the shape of the head. So the haircut complements the head instead of necessarily following or copying the head. And that's a difference. It's an advantage that the barbers have because that's their training. Uh, you know, as opposed to the cosmetologists are more trained to style the hair to give it a new shape. Barbers are not trained for very much styling in comparison. <laughs> so feel free. Any, anytime you want me to go on and on, just push one of those buttons. I've always got enough to say. Let me, I want to switch gears a little bit and do whatever. Here we go. All right. Rapid fire questions. Good. Favorite color. Teal. Is that really even a color? Yes, it's blue green. Coloring boxes used to call it blue green. Now it's called teal. Is that is that the politically correct term, teal? <laughs> I haven't a clue. All I know is 
I like saying teal more than I like saying blue green. Your last meal would be. My last meal was oh, my last meal was a uh, a Grubhub burger and fries. From. <laughs> Wherever Grubhub would deliver a burger and fries from, I don't remember. All right. <laughs> I didn't like go for a restaurant. I went for the food. Okay. And then I looked in their Grubhub's category for burgers. And this was within Wakanda. It was oh Bulldog Grill. That was the name of it. Bulldog Grill. It was very very good. Okay. Shout out in Wakanda, downtown Wakanda. Shout out to Bulldog yeah. Grill. Okay. Absolutely, they have good food. Yeah, and you can get them delivered through uh, Grubhub. There you go. People listening, go do that. Yep. Uh, the discount code. That's right. Just kidding. I don't have one. Yeah, I wish. But new customers at Grubhub get free delivery. I found that out today. There you go. Get on Grubhub, people. So there's something. Yeah. All right, George. Here's here's a here's a whopper of a question. All righty. And not just because you mentioned burgers, and now I said whopper. <laughs> I got it. Would you rather eat? Mm-hmm. And this is courtesy of my friend Luke. Would you rather okay. an entire bathtub full of ice cream that was flavored like toes or mm. lick a man's toes after he just got done working out? I would rather lick a man's toes after he had just got done working out because it's limited. There is only so much toe jam. You will get in your mouth licking his toes. You got a whole freaking bathtub full of sweater, foot-tasting ice cream. Dude, I would gag 12 times. Oh, be the worst. A foot? I could do a foot. I said the same thing. I said just lick the toes. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then the guy was like, well, what if it's so-and-so? I'm like, I'm just licking the toes. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, you, that's all it is, is licking a toe. I could lick a toe. I, you know, scrub my tongue with Lysol when I'm done. Exactly. Exactly. George, what town did you grow up in? Chicago. What part of Chicago? Chicago proper, southwest side of Chicago. Near Sox State? Midway Airport. Oh, near Midway. Near Midway Airport. Yeah. Yeah, I was fled. The planes used to fly over our backyard. One of the flight patterns. Did you ever think about being a pilot? Never. Never for a moment did it ever cross my mind. It never inspired you? You just were like, huh? Plane. No, I'm like, damn it, those planes are so noisy. I can't hear my music. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. All right. Because then I was oh, a teenager. No, oh, what were you saying? I was a teenager then, so that was all important. The record player? My music. My music, yeah. Tape player, please. My apologies. Cassettes. Cassettes. Yes, it was cassettes and eight tracks. I had cassettes too, so I can't. Do you? There you I go. Had, Good. Yeah, my my mom used to buy me cassettes at Best Buy when I was like seven or eight. I'd listen. There you go. Horrible rap music, and my dad was very displeased. <laughs> That's a dad's job to be displeased with what his kids are doing. <laughs> what are you listening to? This is horrible. Um, yes, that's right. Okay, so here's. Do you like that? Did, he um yeah so I, I literally I had one friend who would come over because I I think my parents were more like laissez faire about stuff compared to most they're just like well this is bad but like whatever I had a buddy that his parents were super strict and he would come over and I would burn him cassettes of of music yeah it was great he would he would like come over and be so excited he'd go like the latest radio single from like my Sony boom (laughs) (laughs) man I remember recording things off boom boxes 
burning CDs feels like it was yeah. 20 years ago. It, oh, I know. It might have actually. Well, it kind of was. It kind of actually yeah. was. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let me tell you, that happens more and more. Here's a question. Where? Okay, if you could go yeah, on. Ready. Two-part question. Okay. So, right now, so no coronavirus. Okay. You could fly anywhere in the world for a vacation. Where would it be? Hmm. 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 Well, one place I really want to see before I die is Stonehenge. I don't know if I want to go there on a vacation right now, but I really do want to see that. Um, same thing with Australia. I'd really like to go to Australia. On um, a vacation, though, I would like a small house on a small lake that I would rent for a week and just by myself, a couple days, have people come up for an overnight, just quiet time to read and play my guitar, maybe swim in the lake a little bit, grill up some food. To me, that would be a beautiful vacation. Even though I would be isolated, it would be a wonderful thing. So that would be my ideal vacation right now. How long you playing, uh, have you been playing guitar? I started when I was 16, and I will be 66 next month, so 50 years. Wow. Yep. Long time. I did not know you you played guitar. Is that somewhere? Uh, I, it's not in your shop. I guess I... Uh, it has been off and okay. on. The problem with the old shop was that it got too cold yeah. for the guitar. Okay. Um, so now it's in my living room uh, where I'm more likely to play it. Here's another. Okay, so... Going back to the Australia or Stonehenge, let's say mm -hmm. let's say right now someone called you and said, "I don't know, I don't know who this would be that would call you, but look." <laughs> if I wrote this out, it made more sense. But uh, so, so someone calls you and like, "We will give you an all expenses paid two week trip, one week Stonehenge, one week in Australia, Publishers Clearinghouse. You want it? That's what it is. Got it. But okay. here's uh -huh. here's the catch. It's it's free." But you have a twenty percent chance of getting coronavirus. Would you go? Twenty percent? No. No, I feel like I'm I'm of an age and some physical conditions where I'm not going to take that much of a chance of getting it. One percent chance. Two weeks. One percent? Yeah. One percent. Sure, I got that much chance no matter what I do. Oh, that was an easy answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, Good question. That was going to be a hard question. Okay. Here's one. All right. Would you rather spend a year cutting? So going back through history, all, all of like mm -hmm. the most annoying or terrible customers, would you rather spend mm -hmm. a, the next year only cutting their hair or spend a year in a profession where you almost never talk to anyone? such as an accountant. Okay, so I would only cut those people's hair for a year? Yep. Or be an accountant? Yeah. Accountant. Even though I hate and am awful with numbers, I would rather be an accountant and know that I'm going to fail than put myself through that. Those people I have mostly fired and not allowed <laughs> to come back in my shop. Have you ever had to like almost yell at someone and be like, you are not are no longer allowed here? Oh, I've done more than almost yell at people. There have been three, pe four people that I've told they are not welcome and I'm blocking their number and I'm removing their info from the website. They will not be able to sign up. 
you're one of the nicest people I've ever met, and you have a, <laughs> a religious, I mean, you were, what, clergy for how many years? Yeah. Oh, about 30. What does it take for you to throw someone out of your shop and then block them from ever signing up again? Um, if I feel um, used more than once, and I feel uh, uh, devalued by their actions. If they, their presence sends so much negative energy into my shop that it takes me a while to get centered again, I will fire them in the blink of an eye. I am not willing to put that negative energy in my space anymore. These sound like and I warn people. Oh, you tell you tell them like, hey, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you know what, man? You're being way too negative. Come on, let's talk about something more positive. Yeah. You know, after like the third time, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm sorry, we're through. This is your last haircut. How do they take it? Oh, they get pissed. You know, one guy's like, what if I show up? I said, I won't be able to cut your hair. I do it by appointment only. What if I just wait? I said, I won't have time. He said, you can't wait forever. Sometime you got to get in. I said, you know what? Let me put it this way. You're, if, you, if I give you another haircut, you're not going to like the haircut I give you. He said, are you saying you're purposely going to screw up my haircut? I said, no, I'm very carefully not saying that. But let me just tell you, you're better off going somewhere else. You're an asshole. I'm like, well, one of us. <laughs> and he stormed out of the door. I'm like, screw you, buddy. You're not messing up my, uh, my bliss. Have they ever come back? Oh, no. Yeah, you'd have to be some sort of psycho to actually show up after that one. Well, how about it? I was trying to not be subtle. Question for you. Okay. Going, let's go back in time. Okay. What was what was the first job you ever had? Um, delivering papers, newspapers. I'm assuming, I had a paper route. I'm assuming this was a long time ago, not short time ago. This, yeah, that's exactly right. <clears throat> Although I can come closer because I was in um, seventh and eighth. No, I was probably in eighth. Yeah. Seventh and eighth grade, which would have been 1965, you know, 1966 to 1968. So how's that? That's And yes, I, I would grip the papers and open up the bundle and roll them up and put rubber bands on them and stuff them in the sack, and put the sack on the bike and ride the bike up and down the streets, throwing the papers onto the porch. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the week, I'd go door to door to collect the money. Half the people would not be home. I would not collect the money. I didn't get paid if I didn't collect the money. So it was uh, it was not a very fun job, but it was the only job I could get. And uh, my folks made it real clear that I didn't need to work, but they weren't giving me money for all kinds of miscellaneous stuff. I could work if I wanted to and make money. That'd be fine. I could spend it how I wanted to, but uh, I'm on for my own extra expenses. So uh, I got a job. <laughs> What did you, looking back on that, what did you learn from that experience? That I hated working hard. <laughs> oh, really? The guy, who, the guy who decided to start his own business 50 years later doesn't like working hard, huh? It's true. Man, that was hard work, putting that on the bike and hauling all that stuff. You miss the porch, you'd have to get off and put it on. It was rainy. I'm like, screw this. I'm working inside for sure, whatever I do. And I'm going to be sitting down more than standing up. Well, I mean, kind of, you solved that one. Yeah, I know. It worked out fine. 
what what would happen if you didn't collect money from someone? You, did you have to go back and kind of shake them down? Oh yeah, again and again and again. After like more than a month, you could give it to the boss, who would then send his goons into to get the money from them, and then you would eventually get some of that money. But some people just you know avoided the kid. Oh, that's the kid with the paper. Just don't answer the door. I don't have any money right now for him. Was it the trip? Was, was it a trip? No, the Tribune. Was it Tribune? Oh, um, no, it was the Daily News. The Daily News. Okay. Mm-hmm. What did you... So you, Okay, so you have this paper out. You figure out, well, that's way too much. By the way, I never had a paper out because it sounded horrible. And you confirmed yeah. all that. Well, you wake yes. up early and you do all that stuff. And then you still got to go to yep. school. Exactly. Yes, that's that's not good. So what? You, okay, so you do that. You realize, nah, I, I don't want to do this. You're you're sick of shaking people down. What what's next? So then I finally turned sixteen, so I can apply for other jobs. So my next job was going door to door trying to sell magazine subscriptions. That was worse than the paper route. Um, no one. This was in the winter. No one would buy magazines. No one wanted to answer the door to this long-haired teenager. Um, you know, the, the, our supervisor would drop me and a couple other kids off and say, okay, I'm going to be back in three hours. Have this many orders by then or you can't come back in. You know, and it was miserable. And after not having enough orders too many times, I wound up starting to make up orders. And just like filling in the right addresses and random information so I wouldn't get yelled at. And that lasted about five days. And he figured it out and fired me. <laughs> My good, I don't like this job anyway. Fine, I was just about to quit. That's right. You can't fire me. I quit, but my parents won't let me. So what happened? You like you wrote down you wrote that information, and then you like went to their houses, and they're like, "We don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, I wouldn't go to their house. He would. He would go, or he would send somebody. And it's like, uh, you know, we have this information here, and we need to start following up. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. There was never anybody here like that. Well, is this your signature? No, that's not my signature. I never saw that before. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So what what did you take away from that? Because clearly we're not at the point where you're indoors and sitting down yet. No, that's right. What I what I found out was this is still not the job for me by a long shot. And so then I just kept trying. What was next? Well, the next job was actually not too bad. I worked at a shoe store. Three days a week, um, I would come in and vacuum the floor, clean the mirrors, empty the trash, bathroom, just kind of overall cleaning, you know, squeegee the big outside windows. Um, Really nice guy, older guy who owned it, was super, super friendly. Uh, That was a really cool job. Um, And what I liked is that I was inside. I was with people who were fun and friendly. Um, And even though I was still like, it was a more active job. It was a variety of stuff, and I didn't mind doing any of it. So that was a very successful job. I stayed there for a while. And then, uh, let's see, I think so that, it sounds by like that, that point. Way, that sounds like a good way you figured out that you wanted to at least be around people. And, yep. And, I mean, it sounds like variety. Yeah, the pieces were starting to click. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that I, I wanted to be with people. I wanted to be like actively involved in doing something. Um, okay. So then, um, so where, are we now? Where, where are we now in well, this time? This life? would be right in high school. This is high like, school. Okay. 
like probably by the time I'm 17, um, I'm not really working during the school year much, but in the summer, I work every day uh, for my the com- com- bleh, printing company that my dad works for, and I was a messenger. And so I would drive into downtown Chicago with him, and it would be me and these three other guys who were the messengers. The three other guys, I was like 17, 18. The three other guys, the youngest one was probably 55, and he kind of, his body was kind of twisted up a little bit, so he kind of walked with a limp. Uh, the other one was this really old guy who could walk fine, but walked very, very slowly. And the third one was this developmentally disabled guy who could follow the directions, but again, you know, took a little extra time to understand things. And me. So, you know, anytime the boss needed something quick, he would be, all right, George, you got this one. You know, and then half the time, once he found out I was responsible, he'd be like, look, okay, I can't have you in and out of here as quick. These guys take a long time. He says, I'm giving you this package in the morning, for example. I don't want to see you till two this afternoon. I don't care if you go to a movie. I don't care if you sit at the lake. I don't care what you do, but you're leaving here at 930 and between two and 230, I'm expecting you back for your next run. Cool. It works for me. So I did that for like two or three summers. And then uh, that same printing company had a new run or they had a run that a guy had retired from where my job every day, I would go in with my dad, sit around for a half hour walk to the train station, take a train to North Chicago. In North Chicago, I'd pick up a phone for Abbott Laboratories, our own phone that they have there, and call the laboratories. They would send a car to pick me up, bring me to the laboratory compound, many buildings. I would walk through, deliver all these printing proofs to the various departments and stuff, sit down, eat my lunch, read my book for a while, walk back through, pick up anything they had going back, take the car to the train station, take the train into Union Station, walk back to the place where my dad was and drive home for work with him. I did that one summer. That was sweet. That then, job, uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that job today would be like an email. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Totally. A couple emails and then like a, maybe like a, a, well, I guess you had to, were you delivering te- like physical the chemicals? I don't understand. No, what no. Doing. All I was delivering was printed proofs and maybe uh, they wouldn't want to see a hard copy you okay. know to be sure the colors were accurate that the the email did it accurately or whatever i don't know you know who knows what they do now what are you doing all day at that because you, you you essentially are on a train then you're you're eating lunch and then you're sitting around then you're home like what are you doing well i spend about an hour dropping off and then an hour picking up packages that's my active time. The rest of the time, okay. I'm reading my book. I'm uh, visiting with people that I got to know a little bit. Just kind of hanging out, being a teenager who doesn't have to work too hard and is going to get a paycheck. That sounds like the dream. It really was a wonderful job. One of what my favorites you, so far. You got any other any uh, any other stories from either the uh, the shoe, the shoe company or the shoe, uh, job or either of these delivery, anything we didn't, uh, cover any, any, like, yeah, I got an interesting story when I was applying for the shoe job. I, uh, was basically walking up and down this main shopping area, 63rd street. It was called 63rd and Kedzie Avenue, which was very near where I lived. And there were stores like, you know, for a mile up and down that street, every kind of little store you know mom and pop type store all over so i was going door to door to door to door to door 
So I go in this one store and it was in the middle of one of these long days trying to find a job. And I, I couldn't remember what store it was or whatever, but I walk in, this middle-aged guy comes out and sees me. He's like, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. He's like, hmm, well, what kind of job are you looking for? I'm like, I don't care. Anything I can do, I just got to get a job. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. He said, come with me into the back room. He said, I'm kind of a, a, an amateur magician, an escape artist. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie you to this chair, and if you can get out, you get the job. And if you can't, I let you out, and you go on your way. And I thought about it, and part of it thought, well, magic is kind of cool. And I'm like, no, I ain't going to do this. And I said no, and I left. And like two days later, I mentioned it to my folks, and they're like, are you kidding? That's terrible. That guy would have... You know, who knows if he was going to kidnap you or whatever. Where was it? I'm like, I don't know. On 63rd Street somewhere. So that was weird. I mean, who knows what would have happened if I'd gone into that back room with that man. And I, I was clueless at the time. Absolutely clueless. What? Wait, what, co- what company was this? I don't remember. It was some, I don't know if it was a hardware store or a shoe store. Or, that, you know, there's this endless string of little stores. And it was that one is, of those. That is insane. I know. I know. It spooked me when I finally realized what had happened. Things things were just different. We're talking what, like late 60s? This would have been early 70s. This would have been like early. 71, something like that. Yeah, that's... That, <laughs> I, oh, man. That's insane. I mean, nowadays, that would shout a huge red flag. Any kid. Would immediately run home immediately. Oh, it didn't... Be all, the news would be on it. It'd be all yeah. Media. They'd have you know, and I thought it was kind of weird, but it wasn't a big deal in my mind. Well, you just don't. When you're younger, you're just like, like you're you're like the flags go off, but you're like, yeah, it's kind of weird, but uh, yeah, I guess I won't. Do it. Like there was a guy back in the day who, when I uh, used to live in my first house, and he was probably around my age now. And he used to play video games with people that were like, I was probably like nine or 10 or maybe like 11. And he would like play video games with people. And my mom was always like, you're not allowed to go play video games with him. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah, I was like, why not? And she's like, you'll understand when you're older. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I don't think anything happened to anyone, but I'm just, I'm glad my parents had like the, yeah, you're not allowed to go hang out and do that. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes that's what it means to be a parent. You know, you make a decision that you're not 100% sure if you really need to make, but it's clearly the safer thing, and your kids hate you. It's like, I hate you. Yeah, okay, I know. That's all right. What would you have done if your kids came home and you're like, oh, how was it? You're like, well, I was applying for a job, and this guy wanted me to go back and do some magic tricks with him, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to go back. I would immediately follow up. I would drive him up and down the street till we figured it out going in every store. And I would call the cops. I would absolutely track it down. Yeah, that's just that's one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, George, I'm glad you didn't go and do some magic back in 1971. Me too. I know. How about it? Who knows what the story would have been? Probably wouldn't have ended up I'm, as a barber. <laughs> I'm sure if we go back in time, it's probably a, some sort of weird article where that guy ended up in prison. That doesn't seem... Wouldn't surprise me. So, so, uh, so what did you learn from some of these jobs you had outside of uh, don't go in back? <laughs> well, that one has served me well a couple of times, that piece of learning. <laughs> um, 
Uh, what have I learned? I've learned that if I don't enjoy what I'm doing, I find excuses to not go to work. Um, I've learned that I don't enjoy working hard on most things. Um, but if it's something I like, I can't work hard enough. Um, I've learned that it's okay to not be good at everything or want to do everything. And it's okay to say no when someone asks you to do something, whether it be a job or something else. And that was huge learning for me. No, thanks. I'm really not interested. But you can easily do it. You're right. I could. But no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I always just say, you know, I'm old man. I have a limited amount of time. I have to choose carefully how I spend what I got left, which gets a chuckle and lets me change the subject. Well, I'm even. I'm like that now. I think you have. I think in a way, there's a great line. Well, I'm gonna pull it up right now. It's a Confucius line. Are you familiar? You know Confucius. I do certainly. I'm stealing this from uh, from Joe Rogan. Hold on, Confucius. It's about two lives. It's a great quote. Where is it? I'm pulling up right now. We have two lives, and the second begins when we realize we only have one. Hmm. Ooh, his stuff is so deep. I love it. Yeah. <sighs> well, yeah, it's the truth. I mean, now even now, I think about you know who do you want to? I mean, and I'm sure you know. I wonder if you're probably this too. But it's like you know, when you're younger, you know, you're spending time with tons of people, and then the older you get, you're like, you know, like yeah, maybe I don't want to hang out with that person anymore. It's not that I'm not like good. It's not that like they're not decent, good, but like maybe. You know what I mean? Like some people, you're just like, yep. no, I'm just going to let that one go. When they, Or, you know, when people go, oh, we should hang out. Like, oh, we should catch up sometime. And you're like, yeah. And then they never follow up with you. Yeah. 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 Some people are just, I don't have the psychological energy anymore for them. Yeah. And I'm okay with that now. I didn't used to be. I'd feel guilty. Now I'm like, sorry. How'd you get over I'm sure there's some sucker. How'd you, how'd you, how'd you get to that point? You think? Oh, getting pissed off enough and. And my wife, God love her, she used to say this thing to me that used to piss me off because it was so true. She would say, George, half of your problem is that you expect people to be who you want them to be, not who they are. That's deep. Yeah, and it's so true. You know, I, I meet a person and I think they're this wonderful thing and I get real close to them and everything. And then when they don't match the image I tried to lay on them, I get pissed off and feel abandoned and well, all this kind of stuff. It's totally my own doing. But I hate when she would be right like that, when I would be mad and she'd be right. Like, damn it, can you wait till I'm not mad to tell me that stuff? Yeah, they, uh, women are wonderful, but man, do they know how to just dig the knife oh, real deep. I know. She's very insightful. I mean, she, <laughs> <laughs> she could see all kinds of stuff. I want to get back to your job. So you, um, cool. you escaped potential, uh, potentially being murdered. <laughs> you, you did some delivery jobs. So what happens then? Do you go to college? Do you, uh, yes, I went to the, uh, uh, Catholic archdiocese seminary to study to be a priest. Okay. And I had been in a seminary high school. So that was the next logical step. Um, this was in Niles, Illinois. It was affiliated with Loyola university. Uh, so I moved there and, uh, uh, my father helped me get a job, much against my will, uh, with someone he knew who worked at the Sears store in Gulf Mill. So I worked in their back room, packaging stuff and unloading stuff and that kind of stuff. And 
That lasted for about a year, and I absolutely hated it. I had to walk about two miles each way through the like late fall and winter. It was sucked. It was horrible. Um, and so then I stopped going to that, <laughs> and I lost that job. And then I worked at two different, like, 7-Eleven or White Hen pantries. You know, and I had you know, probably six months at two different ones of those. And I might have had another job in college, something on that kind of a caliber. And then after two and a half years, I left college um, with about two years worth of college credit. Um, what I, what, why, uh, why did you end up making the change? Uh, well, one, I was failing out. <laughs> uh, okay. So I was trying to beat them to the punch. Um, yeah, but okay. yeah, you can't you can't fail me out. I quit. That's right. That's right. I beat you to it. <laughs> I know what you were calling me for. And here, let me tell you this first. That's what you um, learned from the magazine thing. Yeah, that's right. That's Quit. exactly right. Set things up. <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing, uh, there was a. Uh, I was very seriously involved with this woman, and that didn't match with being a celibate priest and not being in a relationship with anybody. Um, so I wound up leaving the seminary to be with her. We got engaged, broke up, and then I wasn't with her anymore. And then I was doing like, you know, I worked uh, for one semester part-time for two different teachers I knew who each had to teach music in a grade school and didn't know how. And so I would go into their classroom. So I picked up some money that way. And then then I got a job as um, coordinating a, Chicago City funding program for kids who lived in the Angel Guardian Home for Children. And so I met with these, you know, middle-aged, middle school kids, and they had to do work, and I would sign off their checks and stuff. And I did that for a summer, then was offered a job there as one of the house parents uh, working with the, the kids who lived there at the, at the institution. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then... Uh, was offered a job as uh, what was called a campus peer minister. I had two years of college, so I was able to work at a junior college where everyone had less than two years of, of college work behind them. And I ran a ministry center for college-age people, me and a couple other people. And I did that for two years. It was really nice. That's where I met my wife. Uh, she was doing the same thing. Um, at the end of that two years, it was only two years allowed, I moved into youth ministry in a parish and worked at three different parishes doing that and kind of aged out. My own kids got to be teenagers. And uh, then I started working with things like the food pantry and parish council. And at that point I wound up needing a side job. And so went back to school to get my hair cutting license. Cause that was something I started doing. In fact, I didn't even tell that part of the story. Um, and that then became a career for me. You just skipped uh, through, or not skipped through, but you just went over like 20 years. You know that, right? Yes, I did. Yes, I, and I forgot a key like, point. Like you spent like you spent longer time going over how much you enjoyed this shoe job than you did <laughs> your entire life. I just want to. I know. It. See, and there's a million stories in the, that 20 years, but the piece I forgot that hinges this whole thing together is back in the, like 1970, I started growing my hair out longer. My parents were very strict about what your hair would be. Finally, the end of sophomore high school sophomore year I, they agreed to let my hair grow halfway down my ears and that was huge you know and then slowly it got longer by the time I was a junior in high school my ears were mostly covered which by 1971 that's how it was supposed to be well there were no 
There was no one to cut hair like that. There were no unisex places. You either went to a man's barber shop and got a man's haircut or a woman's beauty shop and got a woman's haircut. And those were the only choices. Uh, and so I wound up, me and a couple buddies in the same boat with long hair, we're like, let's just practice on each other. And it took about an hour to trim the hair, but we did it and it worked. And then more friends came. And then when I went off to college, that was my weekend party money. A haircut was three bucks or a six pack of beer. And then I'd been cutting hair. That was like 1972 when I went to college. So I was cutting hair from 1972 until oh, 2004 when I got my license. Um, I was doing it as a hobby. And so when I needed a part-time job, I thought, what hobby would I like to get paid for? And I thought, I know, cutting hair. So I got my license to do it part-time, loved it so much, I stopped doing ministry and started cutting hair full-time and never looked back. I want to go back to the ministry days. Good, sure. And also want to point out that where where were you finding some, where were you finding, you rattled off like three or four jobs before you got to the, the ministry one you held for a while. Where were you finding these jobs? They don't seem, they were somewhat related, but not entirely. Like I like how you went from working at 7-Eleven to teaching mm -hmm. music. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm... A newspaper? Like... Uh, I don't walking in just saying, "Are you hiring?" And people are like, "Yes." I have yes, I have a short attention span, and I like trying different things. And I I I tend to make lots of contacts with people. You know, I I like people. I like you know BSing with people, and so it's not uncommon for someone to say to me, "You know, are you looking for a job? Or would you ever think about doing this?" Or I know somebody who you would be perfect doing that. So I always follow up on that stuff. Were you mostly outgoing growing up or was it I was. I was very outgoing growing up. Um, as I got older, that became less and less true. Um, and, and there's a piece of the story in there too that I haven't, I haven't talked about. Um, in my grammar school years, my school experience was very abusive. Uh, we moved to four different grammar schools. I was always a new kid. I was always a kid picked on. I kind of made myself a target because I didn't know how to be anything else. So very, very difficult um, for those years. And so that, that then became part of the ongoing struggle. Um, first hating school, uh, but then I was very inward. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to go out of myself. And when I went to high school, from grammar school to high school, I decided... I was not going to be that same person. I was not going to be that victim. I was not going to be that shy, quiet kid. I was not going to be the new kid. I'm starting at a high school. Everybody is the new kid at the high school. Sure. Uh, I'm going to be different. And I went in there and I held my head high and I, I did my best to rock it in any way I could and was very open to being quirky so that people remembered me. And that was a turning point. It was a conscious decision and a turning point. Wow. Yep. That's one of the what, best decisions. Uh, so, uh, yeah, how did you, you just were like, one day you're like, you know what, I got to just, I got to fix this. Well, I was tired of like being afraid to walk down the street because, you know, guys would yell at me or come over and I got beat up twice walking down the street just because, you know, and I was yeah. running, I was running like a, 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 a Friday night dance for teenagers every week. You know, me and a bunch of my friends were running this and yet, you know, the, the teenagers would come to this. You know, two of them wound up beating me up two different times. So, 
it was, you know, it was a very, I felt very beat up emotionally yeah. and physically uh, during that time. That Those years are just tough. I, had, oh, I, I didn't go through what you did, but even in middle school, I think everyone gets picked on at some point. Yeah, I do too. Various levels of it. And it's just, and you're so, and you're so uncomfortable and yeah. you're so awkward in general. It's yeah. just like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. And, and middle school kids look for victims. You know, there's predators yeah. and they need prey to feel good themselves. And they can sense out somebody who has a bad self-image in a heartbeat. Well, I'm glad that you decided to be more outgoing and quirky. Because me too. I like being me. That's a good angle for you. <laughs> Thanks. So what, okay, so you go, you go, you're working in the ministry. Why? So you, you so you left seminary mm-hmm. and then you end up getting, you were engaged, you weren't, and then you end up kind of calling, kind of getting back to this calling. What, what brought you back? Um, circumstance and an openness to it. Um, you know, I, I, I wound up being in the right place at the right time and had an openness to it. It was also um, a very interesting time in the Catholic Church because uh, youth ministry, which is what I did, work with teenagers, um, was the focal point, at least in the Chicago area and many major metropolitan areas where there were these major events and, and programming and stuff for teenagers to try and help keep them invested in the church. And so I was part of that surge of energy and it was very very exciting um and so being invited to be part of that um was very attractive and then you know it just became intoxicating over the years just constant new things to do and and things to create and significant relationships with people it was very very good um until it wasn't yeah the variety of tasks you talked about exactly things People in, inside most of the time. Inside. Yeah, take all the boxes. Was, what, so what finally made it to the point where, so you got, I mean, you're, you're doing something that you, you're enjoying. It's checking all the boxes. Why did you end up then going, you know what? I think I want to, I think I want full-time cut hair. Well, 30 years passed. And so my life was certainly different. My kids were grown. Um, I, uh, when I was the first person in my family to go to college, um, and it was pretty much expected that I was going to. And so there was this unspoken expectation that I would get a job that required a college degree. Um, and so then I went to college and chose a career path based on that. And I enjoyed cutting hair, but I never considered it I don't know what the words are, worthy enough or, or uh, important enough or whatever. I didn't think it would meet the standards that had been set out for me. So I never even considered it. It was never even an option until I needed a part-time job. And I'm like, well, I guess I could do this. And I was cutting a little bit of hair for friends. And uh, one of my friends says to me, uh, he says, George, get your license. Start charging money for this. Make some money. I'm like, I don't know. It seems so hard. I don't know if I could do that. He's like, okay, George, look, look at the people cutting hair. 
Look at some of the bimbos behind those chairs. Are you honestly saying you're dumber than they are? Do you really believe that they are smarter than you? You have a master's degree. I'm like, well, when you put it that way, I guess maybe it's not smarter, but I don't know. He goes, try it. So I'm like, all right. Well, I loved it. I just loved it. I've soaked up the knowledge and uh, started doing it part-time once I got my license and part-time wasn't enough. And we'd gotten a new head pastor at the church I was at and he and I weren't a good fit like I was with the former pastor and like all the signs lined up and it was time to make the move. And so I did. And well, I, my first job, I was hired as a manager of a sports clip uh, that was opening up in Carpentersville. And that was interesting. Before we get, before we get there, what, looking back on your, you know, kind of your ministry days, was there anything else that sticks out about, you know, like maybe something that you apply now that you learned back then? Um, well, I'll tell you, there are weeks where I do more counseling in my barbershop than I did in the church office. I am, uh, I am also one of these who seeks your guidance. <laughs> well, we have had some good discussions. <laughs> That's exactly it's great advice. Yep. Yep. I also find that, uh, I answer a surprising number of questions about God or church. I think when people find out I used to be working for the church, they figure that I know some stuff, but since I'm not, I don't have to give the company answer. And so they figure they can get some uh, straight answers or some dirt or whatever from me. So those, those are some interesting conversations. Any, any of those you're, uh, that you remember and can share that are like it would be more humorous? Uh, well, the hardest ones I had, there was a, oh, a period of probably about eight years where I had this whole string of Mormon missionaries uh, come. The first one came when I was working at Sport Clips and I gave him a haircut and we started talking and I found out that he was from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and I knew very, very little about that. But I was recently from the ministry world myself and I was interested and and he said, would you like to learn more? I'm like, well, I kind of would. He goes, well, I'll have someone call you at your house. And I'm like, damn it. What did I say that for? <laughs> so these two young, very conservative looking guys show up at my house and we'd like to talk to you. I'm like, you know, they call me. I'm like, okay, we're going to meet at such and such a time. We're going to meet in my barber shop because I knew I had somebody coming after an hour and I wouldn't be stuck longer than an hour. Yeah. So, you know, they came and they're starting to talk. I'm like, you know, if you guys are interested, I'll be glad to give you a free haircut while we're talking. No, no, no. Well, then they came back week after week. Well, by the third week, they're like, could we really get haircuts while we're here? I'm like, yeah, no problem. Well, after 12 weeks between them and other kids rotating in and out or other people rotating in and out, we got to the point where they were ready to give me the Book of Mormon and have me read it and ready to join the church. I'm like, guys, I mean, I'll look at it, but I don't think that's going to happen. And so I did. I did as they asked. And uh, they came back and they said, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, it's clearly on a par with all of the other religious books I've looked at. It, it, it's clearly that kind of literature. They're like, well, were you inspired? I'm like, you know, not really. It was like, you know, in the King James, these and thou's and thine. I'm like, it, it didn't particularly inspire me. Well, they were shocked. You know, and so then and then they're like, oh, well, can we still keep coming for haircuts? I'm like, yeah. So then over the years, a number of them kept rotating, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, every <laughs> six months or so, one of them would believe that he was the guy who was going to save my soul. 
and he would start all over again, and I would listen. But the problem was, I have a master's degree in freaking ministry. These guys have no college experience whatsoever, let alone any theology yeah. other than basic catechism, and they're trying to argue with me at theological points and scriptural points. I'm like, guys, I don't want to argue with you about this. You know, I know way more than you do. You're not going to know what I'm talking about. So I tried to dodge those questions, and you know, mostly I wound up trying to be a a normalizing influence like there were, some yeah. of the guys would come in and they're like george have you heard any new dirty jokes nobody tells us dirty jokes you know and so i would always have a new one ready and some guys would be like well i don't think this is appropriate i'm gonna go outside while you do this I'm like no problem you know other guys you know they would come in all clean and bow tie and or long tie and everything other guys would come in with t-shirts and jeans you know so it was kind of fun working with the the missionaries and they were good people they were uh, they were many of them were so naive it was terrible because i would make up this stuff and they would believe me <laughs> uh, so we had some good times <laughs> uh, you know it just when somebody's gullible it brings out the worst in me <laughs> uh, there's a sign in my shop that somebody gave me that says uh, i don't remember the word something like uh, a science haircut let us match your haircut with your personality and it's just like some total BS sign that somebody made. Yeah. You know, so one of these missionaries says to me, what's that? I never heard of that. And I have the two little people on my shoulders, a devil and an angel, you know? You know, and the angel's like, oh, just yeah. tell them the truth. And the devil's like, oh, this could be funny. So I said, you know, it's really interesting. I said, I learned about this in haircutting school. There's certain haircuts that really match a person's personality. I said, so if I know a person, I can recommend the best haircut for them. And uh, this guy's like, well, you don't really know me well. I'm like, no, I really don't. I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do it. He's like, well, what if I tell you about me? What if, if my companion tells me about me? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So they're telling me all this stuff. The whole time I'm thinking, what haircut would I like to give this guy? What, what's going to be fun? That's going to stretch his comfort zone yeah. and, and give me a good time. So he finished and I said, I know the perfect haircut, exactly the best haircut for you. I said, in fact, it's the haircut that Jerry Lewis used to wear in the 1960s. Uh, and I gave him the short Ivy League haircut, which looked really good on him, but had absolutely nothing to do with the personality. It just had to do with the haircut I felt like giving that day. Well then, like for, oh, probably eight months, more than half the guys from the missionaries came in wanting them personality haircut, you know? <laughs> So they were getting flat tops and fades and you know, just, oh, your personality is way different than elder so-and-so, you know, or oh, you're just like this guy here. We're going to give you the same cut as him. It was, uh, awesome. And I love doing that stuff. It's, it's terrible, but I really do. <laughs> I have such a good time. I'm back. You're back. I'm back. Okay. Well, welcome Did back. Did you do anything? <laughs> no, I didn't yeah. do anything. Maybe it just needs to warm up or something. I guess. Who knows? I don't know. It's magic to me. I don't understand it. I should probably read the manual. I don't read manuals on any. <laughs> I never do that. I'm like, well, it looks like it just plugs in. I'll just do that. And... Well, you sound perfect now, just like you had the last time. I don't get it. Me too. We're, we're, you just gave some Jerry Lewis, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Is that who it is? Uh, no, uh, Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis haircuts. Yes. I want to play, I want to do a quick halftime game. Sure. It's called 185 Blanks. Okay. The way it works is I'll say, I'm going to sing, I'm essentially going to sing, 
185, and then I say a word, walk into a bar. Okay. The bartender says, and then you come up with the line they say. Okay. So the first word you're going to have is bananas. Okay. So so th- take a second. Got it. Okay, ready? Yep. 185 bananas walk into a bar. The bartender says... What an appealing group. Love it. All right, next one. Ready? Uh-huh. Vaccines for coronavirus. Okay. I try to be topical. Mm-hmm, got it. 185 vaccines for coronavirus. Walk into a bar. The bartender says... Took you guys long enough. Seriously. Next one. Okay. Bald men. Got it. 185 bald men walk into a bar. The bartender says... How can I serve you fine looking group of gentlemen? At which point they tear the bar apart. Why would they tear the bar apart? I don't know, because they're biker bald men. I don't know. Ah, okay. There you go. All right, ready? Next one. Chickens. 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 Okay. Got it. 185 chickens walk into a bar. The bartender says... Who told you you could cross that road? Love it. All right, last one. Okay. Barbers. Barbers. Yes. Okay. 185 barbers walk into a bar. The bartender says... Gentlemen, set up shop. We got a bunch of shaggy-looking dudes here. Yeah. Someone funny, someone not. Yeah, not bad. They're all good. You know what? It's it's uh when you're not in front of a live audience and it's just yeah. one other person, it's not the same. I'm still trying to figure it out. Very I'm true, watching. very true. Because well, you get energy. Like, there's there's more energy with a live audience. I've been doing Zoom improv comedy. It's just different. Nice. Yeah, I bet. And even Second City's been putting on shows. They haven't mm-hmm. figured it out. They're 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 there's like an aspect to it. like SNL. SNL kind of figured it out in the sense of if you can like have like one talented person usually do it on their own, it's okay. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're and, but it's just, it's just different. You don't have that audience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You need some audience, even if it's three what, or four people. What'd you say? For More than banana? one person. What was your banana one? Uh, what an appealing I thought, group. I thought that was your best one. I think so too. You gave me a minute there's, to think about that one. There's a guy here. Who uh, one of my buddies? He is just like the dad joke king, <laughs> and he he would have been all over that. What did he say? Hey, someone said like, "What are pirates pirates like most about, or like don't like about school or something, or something like that?" And someone said like one answer, and he's just like, "Well, they're not good students if all they're getting is C's." 
Uh-huh. It was just he just like even like even though someone got the dad joke, he added in another one. Like this guy. Of course, have to. Yep. Yeah. Some of that comes with being a dad. There's a certain expectation. You just have to have jokes that like yeah. they're clever and funny, but. Yep. Last year on Father's Day, all four of my kids gave me things related to dad jokes. Book, a video, a game. And I don't even remember what the last one was. I'm like, good guys, thanks. What's what's uh what's one of the last jokes that you've told in your barbershop? Oh, I can't tell most of those. Um okay, here's one. I just told this today. I saw it uh saw it online. This guy walks up to this woman kind of a, a wearing a, a tank top, you know, he's heavily muscled and all that stuff. And he walks up to her and he says, uh, I'll show you my tattoos if you show me your breasts. And she looks at him and he says, you know, tit for tat. <laughs> that's good. I like it. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that one. That is a good one. Yeah. I, I got a couple chuckles out of that one today. And you know what? You can't do the, the reason that you can't do the ones that, you were thinking about earlier is because you have to save something for your customers and we have to make sure when this whole thing ends, they have a reason. They're like, well, I got to go. I got to find out. That's right. That's exactly right. I had one of my, one of my longtime customers wrote a review for me and he said, George tells great jokes. Be sure to ask him about the broccoli joke. Well, the broccoli joke is less than clean. Yeah. So I couldn't tell that joke to everybody. I'm like, dude, don't put that online. So that's kind of funny. Did you get to delete? Did you have to delete the comment? I, I, no, no. It was on the site. I can't delete the comment. So has anyone come in and they're like, I want the broccoli joke? Oh, yeah. They're like, man, I never heard the broccoli joke. I'm like, okay. Here we go. go. Uh, It's a good joke. And it's like, literally, I turn a switch on in my brain and it comes out like on a tape automatically. So we're not gonna talk about the broccoli joke because good, good. Leave them something Moving wanting. <laughs> Always leave the crowd wanting more. Absolutely. Okay. So you're you're at the point your first job. You're a manager at Sport Clips. Did I get that right? Correct. Yes. What is that like? <sighs> well, it was exciting. That was a long pause, by the way. Yeah, it was it was a real mix. Um. It was exciting because I love starting new things. And this was opening up a store from scratch. And that was exciting. You know, figuring out the product and the decorations and stuff with the owner. So so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then hiring the people. Um, and then there was a philosophical difference um, between do we hire the cutest people who apply or the people who are the most skilled haircutters. Um, and we wound up hiring the cutest people who applied, which okay. gave me a lot of work fixing haircuts for a long time. And then, uh, so you made, so essentially that you became indispensable. Well, not necessarily because no after a year and a half, he fired me. Oh, he, he said, I've decided you're not the right match, which I was the only male manager in the entire sport clips chain they there's an unwritten rule they only hire women um and so uh this guy that was his rationale but the problem was we disagreed on what was ethical and what was not ethical 
probably best you left. It sounds like uh, definitely, definitely. But it sounds like you got. Was that one of the first times you kind of got your entrepreneurial? Oh, absolutely! I learned so much about opening up a business. That really is what made it possible for me to open my own business later. If I had not had yeah. that experience, I I don't know that I could have made a success of it. What happened after Sport Clip? Um, then I worked at uh, a, a small barber shop. Uh, the owner was kind of elderly and sick and retired. There were two barbers in there um, who spoke a different language from me. And I was clearly the odd man out. He hired me because he said, I know you worked for the church. And I think these guys are robbing me blind. and I need somebody I can trust. Well, he was right. Oh, wow. They were robbing him blind. Um, and after about two weeks um, of seeing that and of every time they wanted to talk about me, they would switch to their native tongue, which I knew not a word of. Um, and it was not a pleasant experience. So the, the owner called me one time. He's like, so what do you think? I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not here to be a rat or a stoolie. He's like, I need to know this. I'm like, well, you're right. They're robbing you blind. So, you know, he wound up talking to them. One of them calls me all upset. You know, you must have misunderstood what we were saying. Like, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So I left there. Um, then I worked at another shop that was just not busy enough. You know, the guy, the guy hired me. He took only appointments. And it was in my neighborhood. And In fact, I used to go to him as a barber. And uh, he contacted me and said, listen, I know you got your own shop. You're cutting part-time. But what do you think about coming and working for me and doing my walk-ins? I'm like, all right, yeah. Well, it was fun working for him, but there were no walk-ins. So I sat there with nothing to do. So then I stopped doing that. Um, and then I worked at a uh, barber shop in downtown Crystal Lake. Um, and it was an old school barber shop opened in 1959. And I worked there for oh, maybe three or four years. And that was a really, really good place. Um, and I was there until I had some health issues and had to take a break. Um, and then wound up just opening my own business because uh, that was, was an easier transition uh, for me. So that's kind of the missing pieces of that part. Yeah, and we met we met when you were at Joe's. When I was at Joe's, exactly. Yeah. When you were at Joe's. Joe's is a is a staple. Yeah, it really that is. That I started going because I had a friend told me about it maybe when I like in middle school. And then huh. you showed up. Start and then okay, so here's the question. How does that work with getting chairs? Because I feel like you were usually like in I we go in back. Yeah, like, yeah. It, certain barbers had chairs that they always were at. The ones okay. who were there like five days a week or whatever. I was the newest one hired. Yeah. So I was given the least desirable chair, which actually for me was the most desirable chair. Why? It was, you know, Why? tucked away back in the corner, you know, and, and half the time I was there, back there alone. So I, I didn't mind that at all. You could kind of say and do your own thing. Well, exactly, yeah. How okay? So here's a question. So you you worked at these different barber shops. You had the one where it wasn't busy, and then you have the other one where they're where they was it stealing money? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, for example, this one day I'm working with one of the barbers, and it's just the two of us, and it was really slow. 
And about, oh, 2.30 or 3, he says to me, listen, I'm going to go home. You can handle it the rest of the night and close up. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Um, this was like 2.30. I don't know. We closed at 5.30. I said, what do you want me to do with the money that he says, I'll close up the bank now and everything. I said, okay, what do you want me to do with the money that comes in between now and the end of the night? He says, you know what? Keep it for yourself. You need it more than that old man does. He says, we're just going to decide there's no business comes in here the rest of today. So whatever you do, that's your own money. Uh, I'm like, well, no, I mean, you know, I, I can leave it for him. He goes, no, trust me. Listen, don't mess with this. We ended. There was not many people at the end of today. And for me, that was kind of the last straw. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to put myself in a position where I have to be making that decision yeah. or that confrontation again and again. There was a job I had 09, summer 09, or summer 2010, right before I went to law school. I was working at a small restaurant in Elgin. Mm -hmm. And there was a server there that he was, there's something off about him, but I couldn't figure out what. Sure. And then they hired some, so this place was a, it was interesting. So they, they, they essentially wanted to open a winery, but because of how the laws work, they had to serve food. So they hired like a really good chef and it's like wait staff, but people weren't going in there. Like it, it was almost never busy. And then they wanted to, to increase business. They wanted to make it a club at nights. Oh, so this oh. guy, yeah. So this guy brings his whole liquor cabinet in like literally one day I, I go in on a Saturday <laughs> Just like every sort of alcohol you've ever taken. I'm like, what is going on here? And they're like, we're opening a club. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And he's like, <coughs> takes, takes like a shot of Southern Comfort. He's just like, oh, now I remember why I hate this. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him and his wife were, were characters. But anyways, they hired other people. And these other people would start drinking like while they were working, well, it was Elgin. I lived in Crystal Lake, so I had to drive. So I'm like, and I was going to law school. I'm like, well, DUI wouldn't be very good. So I stayed sober. So these employees would get all liquored up and they're like, you know, I think, I think Randy, Randy's stealing. And I was like, I don't know about that. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something weird. Like you said, where like, he like offered me something. He's like, no, just, he goes, just keep the cash. It was something like a table, <clears throat> like, paid in cash he's like you know i didn't even ring it in like that's just yours and it was something weird like that and i was like okay and then i remember they asked me they're like hey do you think he's stealing from us and i was like yes yeah <laughs> like yeah he is and then like two weeks later he was still there and i remember i, I said something I'm like well i'm like he's still working here and they're like well, he really needs a job. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> he's robbing you. Like, I don't. Well, and then the worst thing was a year later, I come back. I'm in Kane County working uh, as an intern in the courthouse. And one day randomly, I'm in the bankruptcy court. And sure enough, they're right on the docket. I'm like, and like total fashion for these two people. They didn't show up. I'm like, they were never I'm like, there's no, they probably skipped town. Great people, very wonderful people, um, but lesson learned, if you have a drinking problem, don't just open a winery. Oh, yeah. That's not... <laughs> yeah, not, not a good idea. Not, no. I don't even know if I had... I think I, I might have had the wine. It was actually pretty good. There were, I mean, again, really nice people, but 
I mean, I, I go in there on the Saturday and there's just like, when the, when the owner of the bar, and then, so he's like ripping shots and I'm, it's like literally 1130. And I think they're going to grill out hot dogs too or something. I don't, they're like, we're doing a club at night and we're, it's Latin themed and we're growing hot dogs during the day. I'm like, whatever. So they go, we need chips. So they gave me like a hundred dollars and they're like, go to the store and buy potato chips. I'm like, let me buy like a hundred dollars potato chips. They're like, yeah, get the quarter bags. So I go to whatever it was. I don't know if it was Jewel or something, but I'm just shoveling quarter bags (laughs) into a shopping cart. I remember, yeah. The only thing I remember from that outside how ridiculous it was is I called a good friend of mine and surprised him and said I was going to law school. So that was fun. But it was such a weird – that place was so weird. And then I literally worked that whole day. Because I'm like, well, I'm going to law school. I need money. So I worked probably till like 9 or 10 p.m. And sure enough, like – uh, as soon as it got dark, oh no, no, this is the best part. I left it out. So that, so that, this, this day was so bizarre. So I go, I bring back the chips, and they, they, they're like, yeah, we're not gonna get a liquor license because that's too expensive. <laughs> like, oh, okay, makes sense. At some point, they're like, oh my god, someone from the liquor commissioner is here. Hide all the booze. So everyone in the whole place just grabs everything they can and they just shove it under the counter. Oh, and just man. close everything and then like two minutes later a guy comes back he's like sweating he's like all right we're good we're good we're good <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. uh, who I needs that stress time. man i know that, that place is crazy so okay how do you figure so back to what i was actually getting at how do you figure out how do you figure out what a, like a barber like how long does it take you to figure out like this barber shop is worth staying at or not because it sounds like it's hard to decipher like, is it not, like, how do you, how do you decide when there's enough business? Like when there's not like, well, part of it in terms of business, it's a point of, you know, are you paying your bills? You know, you got to have some kind of a budget. How much do you have to make every week or every month to make, make this work? You know, so yeah. that part is easy. You know, the, the other part is, do I dread going to work or do I look forward to it? If I dread it, I'm in the wrong job. If I look forward yeah. to it, good. And that becomes pretty obvious. Not quickly necessarily, but it becomes clear. So yeah, you know, but you gotta you gotta separate out everybody's agendas. Yeah. You know, I'm keeping this job because my wife expects it or my boyfriend expects it or whoever, you know. You gotta keep it because this is what's giving you life. So you start your own so you're you leave Joe's. Uh-huh. Where- always going to start your own barbershop or did you think about doing something else at that point? Oh no, I, I didn't think about doing anything else. That was clearly cause I still wanted to cut hair. Um, I was looking forward to doing that on my own to see how that was going to work. I felt like I had the skills I needed. I felt like I had the client base I needed. I had the space I needed. So I decided I was just really wanted to go for it and see. How did you figure <coughs> out, or how did you figure out along the way where you, when did you figure out like, yeah, I'm, I'm where I'm at? Cause I remember when I started going to the new one, I remember something around the line, along the lines of, I need 60 clients a week. Right. Was that, yep. how did you come up with that? Um, actually I'm really bad with numbers. So I just kind of like estimated it. Okay. How much money, you know, I said to my wife, you know, what, what do we need? You know, and then yeah. I just took that and divided it by the number of haircuts and you know, that became my target average. How long did it take for you to get there? Not too long. Um, 
word spreads pretty quick um, in the haircut community, especially a lot of guys cannot find the kind of cut that they're looking for. And so uh, if, if a guy is happy, he tends to at least tell somebody when they say, wow, that looks nice. They're usually pretty willing to say where they got it. So word spreads that way. Although now, to be honest with you, nine out of 10, I'll probably more than that. Uh, of my new customers come from a Google or a Yelp search. That's where they all come from. I've got a, a five-star rating on both of those search engines. So my name comes up pretty quickly. So that's where my, my most of my new customers come from these days. I want to say when you type in George's, uh-huh. if you're in the geographic area, it comes right up. Yes, that's exactly right. That's what I keep hearing from people. Uh, and by geographic area, like I had a guy who lived in Lake Geneva and my name came up. And I had a guy who lived in Elgin and my name came up first on the list. So I, I, I tend to think that, you know, my uh, the reviews are such that it pushes me up on those logarithms, whatever they are. You have, you've got this network of people yeah. that, kind of will will um i'm trying the best way to put this i feel like everything how okay can you describe how you got your website set up um sure um i knew i needed one and one of my customers in as i was talking about it one of my customers said well you know that's what i do i do website design you know how about if we swap and you know i'll cut your or you cut my hair and i'll do your web design I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So we both had a good time doing that. And uh, he then became my uh, web master or whatever it's called. <laughs> what, Dungeon what, are some other, what are some other swaps you've done? Oh, well, um, I regularly swap. Um, I will give a guy a free haircut if he will run the electric shaver and shave my head and beard. So I do that swap, you know, as many as seven times a week, depending on what, uh, you know, who's coming in, et cetera. Um, I've got people who do uh, regular, uh, like, carpentry and home repair work for me for haircuts. Uh, I got uh, uh, people who cut the grass and shovel the snow, um, uh, all kinds of things. You know, I'm, I'm open to whatever. Are the missionaries still coming back? No, I haven't seen them in a while. And, and I understand they kind of go in waves, you know, like for yeah. a while there were only uh, sister missionaries and not brother missionaries in this area. So they, they called me. I'm like, no, <laughs> I do men's haircuts. I'll do them on men or women, but I do men's haircuts. So, you know, if you want a flat top, I would love to give you one sister, which usually shuts the conversation down quickly. What are some of the more interesting haircuts you've given? <laughs> I had this one kid was a freshman in high school, had this bushy head of hair, a, a, a fro, oh, easily five inches long if you stretched it out. And he wanted me to carve a dollar sign on the top of his head. And I said, I would have to buzz your hair down to like less than half an inch for it to show up. He's like, I don't care. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. And I look at his mom and she says, if he wants to look like a fool, I don't care. He's free to look however he wants. <laughs> okay. And she says, but one thing I want you to think about, she says, the kid, she goes, you're going to your father's this weekend. And how are you going to explain to him about this dollar bill sign? He goes, I'll just leave my hoodie up. She said, all weekend? He goes, yeah. 
I'll sit at the table in my room with my hoodie up, my head down inside of it, and he'll just ignore me all weekend. I'm like, oh, mom's like, I don't care, whatever. So next time he came back, I'm like, so how'd it go with your dad? He goes, he was clueless. He had no idea. And the mom just kind of rolls her eyes. I thought, oh, boy. But in fact, I even, that one was so cool. I even wound up taking a picture of that one. Uh, I have that on my, uh, uh, called Extreme Haircuts link in my uh, iPad when people are looking for a new style. So how does that, okay, so as I say, so your Instagram has a lot of your cuts, but you, right. so how does that, so now you're, I feel like you keep evolving with technology. So you got Instagram, so you then on your iPad, maybe you showed me this too. So now on your iPad, you're you're cycling through and have different folders for different looks? Yes, I have different folders for different haircuts, and I've made the decision to not have pictures of haircuts that I've done, but pictures from different online sites of different haircuts. Um and then I have them grouped by like, you know, short, buzz cut, flat top, whatever, you know, different, different style. Yeah. And then if somebody comes in and it's like, well, you know, I'm thinking this, but I'm not sure. I pull out the iPad and open it up and say, okay, here's this file. How does this look? Here's this file. How does this look? So that helps a lot. My eventual goal is to get it rigged up so that it becomes a, uh, a scrolling slideshow as people are getting their haircut that these different images are coming through, but I still don't have them all organized or anything yet. So I'm, that's one of my goals for probably the next year or so. What is, what is the, uh, what is the farthest someone has traveled to go to your barbershop? Um, well, for example, I've got a guy who's in the air force who lives in Colorado and anytime he's in the Chicago area, he makes a point of stopping for a haircut. He doesn't come to Chicago to get a haircut, but he's probably one of the furthest people. Um, I've got uh, the the guy from Lake Geneva comes regularly every six weeks or so um, for a haircut. So that's pretty far. Um, I've got a couple of guys who live in uh, Center City, downtown Chicago, um, who drive out and, you know, combine a, a visit with their parents with a haircut with me or doing their laundry or doing shopping or whatever. Sure. Um, uh, a 20 to 25 minute drive is real common among my customers. That's what I seem to, to hear that it tends to take people. Has anyone found you from, has anyone come from overseas and found you? Um, I, well, I've had people who, like I had a guy who is a salesman, lives in Germany, but his company transferred him here and he looked for a haircut online and found me. Now, he didn't find me while he was in Germany, but he was from Germany. Um, on the other hand, on Instagram, um, through Instagram, I've met people from all over the world, um, some of whom swear they're going to come to Chicago and get a haircut in my barbershop, which I encourage them. That would be a hoot. I would love to do that. Um, but I haven't do, met those people. And you'll do what? You'll do group cuts? Like, I remember sure. we were five years ago, I brought my, my buddy when he got married. I came yeah. in with a couple guys. We yep. had beers, got the beer and all that yep yeah i've got a, a special if it's three or more people it's less expensive um and guys are free to bring in a cooler full of whatever they want i don't care um you know i got one group of guys there's four of them they're in college and they always come with uh, a couple of six packs and a pizza and they kind of hang out and drink beer and have have pizza and get their haircuts that's awesome. Yeah, so it's pretty fun. We, we have a good time. It's it's definitely not your father's barbershop, as they say. 
Well, it's a good thing uh, it's not because my dad's an accountant. <laughs> yeah, so. he, he would probably not be particularly comfortable. Actually, no, I take that back. My dad would be okay with it. He's got some. He's got some jokes. There you he, go. Um, the accounting thing just throws me though, because I'm like, you know, you're kind of funny. I don't know why you did this boring job for forty years. You know, for some people, they love working with numbers. For me, I get so intimidated. The bank laughs when I make my cash deposits. Every once in a while, I get them right. You know, they thought I was doing it on purpose <laughs> to to like check them. And finally, yeah. uh, I said something. I got it right two weeks in a row. I'm like, all right, I'm doing well. And the lady's like, well, you do that intentionally, don't you? I'm like, no. I just have a hell of a time with numbers. Um, so now, whenever I get it right, they offer me a piece of chocolate. George, all right, this is perfect the first time. You want chocolate today? <laughs> so I always say yes. I'm all about positive reinforcement. Love it. Yeah. You know, you've also been mixing up, uh, mixing for years. You've been doing haircuts with uh, for charity in St. Baldrick's. So are you yeah. still involved? Yeah, I did not do it this past year. There were a lot of things happened in my own life last year that did not allow it to happen. Um I will be doing it again. I don't, I haven't committed to a particular timeline yet, but yeah, that's a, that's a really good charity. It's for um, pediatric cancer research. Um, and it's, it's, I like being a part of that. I've been part of that for over 10 years and plan on staying involved in that. And then you're all, are you still working in the youth ministry? Um, I do very little now. There's a group I'm involved with that uh, every summer runs a week long uh, urban plunge service retreat for teenagers. Um, this year we're doing it uh, uh, through the internet rather than in person, which will be a big challenge. Uh, but that's really the only youth ministry that I do anymore. And that's once a year. We we were talking earlier, and you're saying you're kind of you might go into like a maybe like a semi retirement mode, but you're still you still love talking to people. You still oh, love yeah. doing this. What do you kind of, over the next few years, like, what do you want, like, what do you want to get out of this? Um, I want to work just enough to make me happy. I want to explore uh, another career as a voice actor. Um, and I want... To... Oh, you know, I talked about that. Did you did you check out any of those links I sent? I, yes, I checked it out. I was very excited. They have a... Uh, uh, Second City has every quarter a three-week course on how to be a voice actor. Um, you meet with a voice okay. coach. You meet with other students. You have projects. Uh, they help you figure out what a re what resume you need, where you apply for jobs. It looks really, really cool. Um, so I, I haven't chosen what semester I'm going to do it in yet, um, but that's uh, – I'm very excited. Oh, that's about great. That. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're gonna you're gonna do what you love. You're gonna do the voice acting. Now, I'm so I'm curious about this. When are you going to do a live haircut on Instagram? Has this happened? Is it has. It? I've done a couple of them, um, and mostly I just okay. don't think about it. Um, but you know, once once like the shop gets going again, I'm sure I've got customers who'd be open to that. I'll do one. All right, awesome. You know, I owe you one. You. I've been in your chair. Now you're in my chair. I got to go back to your chair. All right. Part of it, too, is like you got to let people know ahead of time so that you get uh, people watching it, which is half the fun. Oh, I thought you were going to say you need to let people know when you're recording them. I'm like, yeah, uh, oh, no. there's, a, there's a couple terrible jokes there. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Yeah, you should always let people know when you're recording. It, I'm pretty. Especially on the yeah, show. I'm not real subtle, so it's very <laughs> obvious when I'm recording something. <laughs> My skills are rudimentary yeah. at best. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? No, no, now I'm just <laughs> thrown with all the possibilities of. Uh, that's terrible. Anyways, uh, hold on. What am I thinking here? Okay, so that. <laughs> Okay, so I like so right, so words, words, words. And I'm keeping all this in just because eventually, when this you know years down the road, I want to be like when we're recording a second or third, and be like, man, remember when you couldn't talk for like two minutes at a time? It would be fun. What? So looking back on like your whole on your whole career, I mean, we have a whole laundry list of of lessons that you learned along the way. And it's, it sounds like you really do, you're really at where you always wanted to be and you've been there for a while. What would you tell someone? Let's, you know, let's go back to, actually, no, hold on. No, this is what I wanted. You were doing these barbecues. I know you can't do them before, right, uh, right. right now, right? But you were doing haircuts. Yes. Well, right? at is first it was just to say thank you to my customers. And then I wound up combining it with the St. Baldrick's okay. charity. Um, yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Any any good stories from uh, those um, They were they were kind of interesting because they were uh, kind of open house in nature, so people were coming and going. Um, but we were trying to you know find ways to raise money uh, for the charity, and so uh, one guy had had the idea. Well, let's put out three jars, you know, with money slots in it, and one will be for someone who volunteers to have. His legs shaved. One will be for someone who volunteers to have their facial hair shaved off, and one for someone who will get a buzz cut. And then anybody who wanted to, during the whole day, could put money in the one of these cans to encourage somebody to do it. Um, and then by the end of the money yeah. night, if somebody chose to do it, they would get the money. Otherwise, the money would go to the charity. So one of the missionaries was there, and uh, he's like, "Well, so like, like." If I let you shave my leg, I get this, this. There's like over 20 bucks in there. I'm like, yeah, that's right. He goes, that's all there is to it? I'm like, yeah, that's all there is to it. You know, it's about, you know, having fun, raising money for the charity, you know, getting people to do stuff. He's like, all right, I'll do that. I'm like, all right. So, you know, of course, everybody gathers around and the camera's filming. And so I shave his leg. He's wearing shorts. Shave his leg and turn off the clipper. I'm like, there you go. He goes, well, what about the other one? I said, no, no, it says shave one leg. You know, I, I, I shaved your leg. You know, if you want to pay for a haircut, I'll be glad to shave the other one. But then that money goes to the charity, too. I said, it'll cost almost as much as what's in that jar. He's like, come on, man. So then I get both of my legs shaved and I don't pay it. I don't get anything back. I said, oh, you can get the money and keep one leg shaved. Well, people were roaring, absolutely roaring. So uh, <laughs> another guy paid to, to let him get his, his leg shaved. He's like, here, I'll pay for it. Sit back down. So people were like applauding for him. Yeah, it was pretty. Oh, funny. that's fantastic. What, uh, what kind of you know, looking back on all this stuff, what kind of lessons would you tell someone? Not just maybe mm -hmm. in a barber, not or what would you tell someone who's like, you know, I really don't know what I want to do. Like I've I've done some stuff. Like I kind of like certain things. Like what kind of like career or life advice? I would, would you say. Tell? Try a lot of things and pay attention to which ones energize you. And regardless of whether that's a logical choice or an acceptable choice, 
that's the career you need to go in. You know? Yeah, follow, follow your energy, your follow your bliss. You know, I am absolutely convinced that the thing that gives us the most life is the thing the world needs most from us. I don't think it's coincidence. You know, so if you love doing something, you know, unless it's cocaine or something, um, you love doing something, the world probably needs that wherever you are. So <laughs> go for it. Whether it's, you know, visiting old people or growing flowers or cutting hair, doesn't matter. You know, you have a particular gift that the world needs. And when you know what your gift is, it's time for you to start giving it. And it's fun to, to try different things. Try things you think you're going to like. Give yourself permission to do something you never thought you'd be able to. I never considered Barber a viable option. I would have loved it, but never, ever would have considered it until I did. And then it was wonderful. One of the best decisions yeah. I ever made. But I was 50 when I got my license. That's exactly right. Too late. Uh, that's, that's certainly one thing I've experienced. One of the reasons I decided to do this podcast is I think there's a lot of people out there that do things kind of what you said, kind of how you described it. They think yeah. that they should do it or they fell into it yep. and they just keep doing it. And things change so fast in this world. I mean, look at right now the coronavirus, oh, yeah. right? Like, you know, I'll, and I think a lot of people need to, but the nice thing is when, when you're back up and running, right. you're going to be doing something you love. Imagine sitting at home right now, not being uh, able to do a job you hate. And then you got to go back to it. You're probably sitting there going, Oh that's man, right. I don't well, that's do exactly that anymore. It. And you know, I'll tell you one of the things that I'm realizing is I'm like having more free time, you know? So, uh, you know, the, you know, a partial retirement sounds like I want to look at it sooner than later. And I did not realize that. You know, I, I thought I had a good couple of years before I made that move. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking, you know, how quickly can I make the transition? So what are you going to do with all your free time? I don't some acting? of it. Some of it I'm going to sit in my lazy boy and read my book. You know, so, yeah, play oh, my really? guitar, take a nap in the middle of the day because I want to. Uh, right what now are you reading I'm right reading... Now? A, uh, a part of a series. Um, this is like one of the last books written. Uh, the, it's a, called the Other World series by Kelly Armstrong. And this is one of the last books she's written so far in it. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. It's uh, I read a lot of fantasy and some science fiction. This is fantasy. It's about the present day world, except that supernatural creatures exist werewolves vampires witches demons and they kind of have hidden themselves among society and these are the stories of those people trying to live their lives in a world not designed for them it's very interesting character development it's also i'm really enjoying it's a female author and i have been really really enjoying female authors lately Probably the last five or six series I've read have been by female authors. And it's just refreshing. Yeah. Fiction. Yeah. I only read fiction and almost exclusively fantasy with some science fiction. So it's, it's, I, you know, between my bachelor's and my master's, I read way too much nonfiction. Um, I've read enough for my whole life. Yeah. So now 
Give me fiction, yeah. You're, Give me fiction. You're good. What do you think it is about the female authors that um, you really mind? One of the things I like is it's just a different point of view. You know, you know that they, yeah. they'll play out a scene, and I'm like, oh man, I would have never seen it that way. And I find that yeah. really refreshing and really energizing to me to to you know broaden how I see things in any way, shape, or form. I I just think as painful as that sometimes is, I really, really value it. We've had, so right now I'm in the, the law school portion of the, uh-huh. the JAG training. And we've had, we've had some um, specific, we're, we're doing criminal right now. And just hearing some of the stories about um, sexual assault and just like how, just it, like you said, the female point of view, like, you know, when I'm around my friends, we don't usually yeah. talk about stuff like that. And just being able, hearing it from, you know, an awesome instructor and, you know, hearing cases of what happened and, you know, why, why things are like they are and how things are trying to improve. It just, it's very eye opening and, and not just, not just from the sense of, you know, I don't want to think it's like, like you know, I don't want a female opinion just on that, but it's like, it's just, I feel like, especially for guys, like sometimes you just yeah, we're need clueless. to hear that. And we're it's not always going to be, we really are. We are so close. I mean, I, I forgot, I think I had, a, it was a female friend that told me, she's like, you don't know what it's like to walk down a street at night and just be yeah. like terrified. And I'm like, yeah. that's kind of true. Yeah, I had a woman say the same thing to me. Yeah. I just, and it's certainly a different feeling. Even if I'm nervous, it's a different feeling than what they're feeling. Look at yeah. us being so progressive, George. But you've always no, I, you've yeah, always been I, like this, so get I, out of here. I okay. you're a good dude, George. I wanna My pleasure. thank you for your time. And okay. we're not quite done yet though, so you know. All right. Now, one more thing for you. Since you're going to be a voice actor, yeah. this works out very good. I'm going to ask you to do some celebrity oh, impressions. Okay. The first one is Robert De Niro. Or okay, what's this? What's your favorite De Niro movie? Oh, I don't know. Godfather's maybe got or uh, Goodfellas. Which one was he in? Goodfellas, yeah. Goodfellas, okay. Yeah. So can you, I want you to try to, and now this is just whatever, mm-hmm. however you do it, okay. however you do it. Robert De Niro in Goodfellas okay. getting his hair cut. You think that's funny how I look? You, you, you like that? You like seeing this hair fall on the cape? You, <laughs> you, you think maybe I should come here and let you do it again? Is that what I hear? Hey, there you go. That's very good. Okay. Uh, Robert De Niro and Goodfellas waiting in a long line to buy groceries during the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, this ain't bullshit. Yeah, no. No, this ain't bullshit. I need to stand behind this fat-ass lady who doesn't belong here. She should be in our house, not eating. Excuse me, fat-ass lady. I think I'm supposed to be in front of you. (laughs) Oh, you're a hoot. All right. Uh, you're a big fan yes, of Mar- yes. Marvel movies, right? I'd like you to do mm-hmm. Iron Man 
getting a haircut. Or maybe well, yeah, start yeah, getting yeah, Iron Man, you can't know. see his hair. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay, Tony Stark. You know, there are more advanced ways to do this kind of haircutting. You know, if we were in my my place, <laughs> I would just say a word, and a robot would come and cut this perfectly the same every time. And And I understand the value of your job, so please continue what you're doing, and I will put up with it till you're finished. You think you'd have to end up firing Tony Stark? Oh, not if he flew me around as Iron Man. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm totally bribable. <laughs> totally, totally bribable. <laughs> and my price is kind of oh, cheap, God. too. All right. <clears throat> I've had buddies come in together, and yeah, then they'll I, start I mean, taking up a collection for you to carve a strip. I'm like, you guys come up with 20 bucks, and I'm in. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. All right, ready? Okay. Uh, here's the last one. Your youngest grandson, when he's My getting a haircut. is a year and a half. Or maybe second. He doesn't talk. Youngest is how old? I'm sorry, what? I know, I know. My youngest is a year and a half. Grandson? Okay, so next one. Okay, next you, one. Did you have next a one is grandson? two and a half. And then the next one is nine. Okay. Okay. So what's the, okay. So has the two and a half yes. had a haircut yet? What would that, um, what that sound like? He was hanging in my shop and I'm like, all right, buddy, come on. You're going to get a haircut, right? I don't know. I said, yeah, I think so. Here, look, I got a special chair. Come and sit down. I don't know, Grandpa. I know, but you know what? It's going to be fun. Here, I'll spin you around. I don't know, Grandpa. Come on, here. And his father put him in the chair, you know, and I'll move the chair a little bit and then spin it more. And he'd start smiling and spin it more. So then he kind of got chill and I gave him a toy. And, um, you know, and then I spent it with any time with a little kid. I spent a lot of time, you know, here's where you turned on and here's the noise it makes. And look, it can't hurt you here. You turn it on and off. So, you know, we did all that stuff. And then anytime I changed the clipper blade and had to turn the clipper on or off, he had to do it. My turn, Grandpa. I'll do it, Grandpa. Okay, no problem, Griff. You got it, buddy. Uh, so, you know, he's, uh, he's not quite verbal enough to be really funny. Um, but it, it's fun, certainly, to have him in the chair. Now, my nine-year-old grandson. He hangs around. My nine-year-old grandson, every time since he's been a little guy, sits in the chair looks at the big mirror in front of him and always says something very much like, hello there, handsome, or how you doing good looking <laughs> every single time. And so then he just cracks me up. So I got I to gotta end it with, with uh, the George Staple, the movie oh, review. Man, I haven't seen many movies lately. Um, what? I know. Quarantine. I know. What? You're the only. You're the only person in America who hasn't been watching more movies. That's um, it. What I've done you're is rewatched some movies that I really enjoy, and one of the the ones I most okay. recently enjoyed rewatching rewatching is Throw Mama from the Train with Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal. Hysterical, hysterical. 
Bro Mama, Bro Mama from, from the, the train. train. Okay. Funny, funny movie. Very, uh, uh, you know, kind of little sophisticated slapstick, but uh, just the, the playoff between yeah. Danny DeVito and Billy Crystal is hysterical. You know? And then there's this, oh, this other actress, and I don't have a clue what her name is, who plays Danny DeVito's mother, who is just so unbelievably grating and annoying. That it's hysterical. I know. Are they brothers? Uh, Billy Crystal teaches a evening class in a junior college on uh, creative writing, and Danny DeVito takes the class because he wants to be a writer, and he's a horrible writer, <laughs> and and he keeps going to Billy Crystal like away from the class and showing up at his house to say, "Would you read this script? Would you check this draft?" It's it's uh. Pretty, pretty funny. What, uh, anything, anything else you'd highlight? Um, a movie that I need to watch again just because it's, it does good things inside of me is a movie called To Wong Fu with Love, Julie Newmar. And it's with Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo, um, Wesley Snipes, um. Oh yeah, That's a great cast. Uh, there's a couple other significant people I can't think of, but those three gentlemen are cross dressers, and they are going to. Oh, you know what? Okay, sorry, God. Yeah, I I remember. Okay, yeah, seeing they go on this cross country okay. trip, and their car breaks down in this old conservative southern town, and they spend like a week in this town as women. It's just a, a fascinating, insightful movie. I love it. It's one of my all-time favorite movies in the world. So I would recommend it. And then the other movie okay. I just really watched, very similar, that I just finished watching, was The Birdcage. Awesome. Very funny. Robin Bird Williams, yeah. good, good okay. actor. Was, that was a fun one. So those are lists. George, yep. you and you know that, right? George Cole on Laugh and Good Learn with pleasure. Learn. Thank you so much. And when you um, uh -huh. when you open up again, uh, you, are you gonna put an announcement online? It will be on gonna, Facebook and on Instagram, uh, and on my uh, website. So all three of those, my my three social three pieces of my my uh, online footprint will all have the information. Are you no. taking well, appointments? Well, my, my calendar in... officially says Not... the end of June, but I just like blocked off months worth. I didn't expect people to sign up for June, but people yeah. are already doing that. So, uh, I mean, those dates mean nothing to me. Who knows? I'm hoping I'll be open well before that, but who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, stay, stay well, buddy, and I'll be back. Thank you so kindly. I enjoyed tonight. Thank you again for tuning into the Laugh and Learn with Vern podcast. I hope you enjoyed the stories and took away some wonderful life lessons from George Cole, a man with a wonderful life lived. Say that three times very fast. Please subscribe if you enjoyed this. We are on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts. Please leave five-star reviews. Again, if you want to know more about George's haircutting or make an appointment yourself, 
He's on Instagram at Cole George. That is K-O-L-L-G-E-O-R-G-E. And his website is www.georgeshaircutting.com. He's based in Wakanda, Illinois. Thank you again to George for being so open and so hilarious. Until next week for a longer form episode, this is your host, Eric Vernston, signing off. And I will see you for 5-Minute Friday on Friday.